You're about to listen to a true story told live because this is True Stories Live. Brought to you by LJ Hope Productions, Norwich Arts Centre and me, Molly Naylor. Chris Bolton. Is that working? Yeah. Hi, yeah, cool. Thanks for having me, everyone. And there's actually quite a lot of similarities between me and David, which we've got to come to, but I actually had that procedure not too long ago. It was Mr. Ho in Chroma that did that, yeah. Um, Not nice. Um, I've got quite a lot to get through, um, so I'm going to rattle through it, but I know this is called True Stories. This genuinely is a true story. I couldn't believe it when it happened to me, um, but I'll get through it as fast as I can. No names have been changed to protect the guilty in this regard. Um, So yes, please. Um, It's a story about four men. Um, The first one is my dad, Spolt the Eel Man. The second one is myself. And we'll get on to the other two in a second. Yes, please. Um, This is my dad. He's the last remaining Fenland eel catcher. Um, It's a pretty niche job. He's a pretty strange character. He catches strange creatures. It's a strange job. The Fens is a strange place in itself. Um, this is me. I'm a comic book artist. Um, I've also written a couple of books. I make music videos. I've just released an album. I do like a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and one of the things I did was the Eel Man Chronicles, which in a very similar way to how David was just explaining how he did his comic book, I started telling... My dad's had an interest in life. I started telling stories about him down the pub to my friends. Um, always got good laughs. In the end, I did them periodically and, and did them as a zine type stuff eventually created a whole bunch of them um, and self-published it as Eel Man Chronicles. Yes, please. Sorry. Um, This is Tony Martin. I don't know who people are familiar with Tony Martin, if anybody knows Tony Martin. Um, He's a reclusive farmer. And one of his stories, I think it's the next one, sorry, one of my dad's stories was, well, actually, no, first, we'll get to the point. Um, Tony Martin, for those of you who don't know, um, was an old farmer who lived just outside Wisbeach where we near where we grew up and on the 20th of August we'll come back to this panel later as well on the 21st on 20th of August two burglars Fred Barris and Brendan Fearon traveled from Newark to rob him um, and when they got there he shot them both um, which is where my sparks fly come in shotgun blast that was my tenuous link to it um, <laughs> they came in and every and he shot them uh, next slide please Fred Barris, the youngest one, he crawled out into the bushes and died in in, um, Tony Martin's garden. Fred Barris got shot in the ass um, and wounded in the legs and crawled out eventually into the road to try and escape, I guess. I guess he was slightly upset about what had happened. Straight into the path of an oncoming van, which was driven by my dad out and about catching eels. So... Dad paused, and they looked at each other, kind of. Dad didn't realise he'd been shot. He just thought it was like a a rare dude out in the middle of nowhere. Um, Fen rules means you stop the van. The first of the Fen commandments is that you stop the van for no man. Um, So Dad, Dad, they kind of had a brief interaction. Dad ground the van. He didn't put the pedal to the metal because that's impossible to do in that knackered old van that he had, but left Brendan Fear in there. And eventually, Dad went and reported it, and he was the first witness. When he got home, he was like, that was a bit weird, and he was the first person to phone the police about it. Um, Yes, please. 
As a result, this was a big news story back in 1999. Um, it was all sort of debating about whether, um, you know, like Americans can shoot people when they come into their houses and stuff, and it caused a big debate and things like that. So it caused, kind of caused my dad's first 15 minutes of fame, which eventually became like 25 minutes. We got interviewed by Trevor McDonald, um, where he said he thought his mates were, might, him and his mates might have been having a battle, in my dad's words. Um, and they also had a stuntman playing my dad in a Channel 4 dramatisation of it, driving his van, <laughs> van along. Um, so this is all pretty weird, right? Anyway, yeah. So, but what happened then was... Um, sorry, next slide, if I can remember. I released the comic book, and it went pretty well. I've sold a couple of thousand copies of it, which I'm really proud of. I've got all these lovely reviews. Um, the main one that really made me happy was that um, a guy who had never spoken to his father for five years or so read my comic book and picked up the phone to speak to his dad for the first time in five years and kind of reconciled as a result of reading my stories about my dad and the kind of relationships in there. And then when I, was, I happened to be in London one weekend, and I was at a birthday party uh, in a random pub in London, I just got a tap on the shoulder, I turned around, and there was a beautiful Brazilian girl stood there, and she said, excuse me, are you Chris Fulton from the internet who has written that comic book about your dad? And I was like, yeah. And there was a really nice ego boost, had a nice chat and everything else. Then I went to work the next day, and, uh, yes please, I worked in Cambridge, um, and I was on the train home from Cambridge, and I got an email. This is the very next day after being at this birthday party in London. Um, and it was, you know, a thing. It was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm this person. I'm writing a book called The Forthcoming Book, Tony Martin, The Truth Between the Lies. I telephoned your office earlier today, hoping to speak with you. And that, that triggered a thing, because I didn't have a phone. I'm a software designer. No one needs to talk to me at all. I don't have a phone on my desk. And it was strange that your first interaction, I am, after all, Chris Spolton from the internet, and you're easily, I'm easily able to find you. You don't need to find me on the phone. Um, I would like to interview your father with you present, if possible, to discuss the statements he made to the police about the incident, because I have credible evidence they were unlawfully interfered with by Norfolk Constabulary. I work with Chris Schooling. Yours sincerely, Brian Peed. Um, now what, so A, you phone me at work, and secondly, you're called Peed, and your mate is called Schooling. This was a bit funny to me. So I thought, and he said he's an investigative journalist, so I thought, well, I still had a bit of the train ride home to go, so I thought I'd Google him. So, yes, please. Um, and I found Brian P, who's the fourth person on my, my thing. So I can, I'm not really, I'm not used to a microphone. And I Googled him. It turned out that he was a Lambeth Council child abuse whistleblower. It turned out he was an undercover fisherman. His, his brother had fallen off a fishing boat and he'd gone undercover as a trawlerman to uncover the, the, what had happened. He was at Hillsborough Football Disaster. He was the best-selling best author of a book on like Liverpool Football Club stats from like 1882 whenever. A self-proclaimed investigative journalist and he was also writing a book to clear Tony Martin's name. So, interesting, so I dug a little bit further. I also found out he was a convicted paedophile with loads of other sexual behaviours, convicted of multiple harassment cases, convicted of multiple restraining orders, including from his own family that he'd breached loads of times, convicted of impersonating a blog, uh, barrister, and had also wrote an insane blog, um, which I delved into. Sorry, mate, I'm, I'm on your way. Um, oh, no, go back, sorry, one, one bit. Oh, yeah, so, just go... Well, we'll ride with it. Um, so I got home, and I rang my dad, and I was like, just so you know, I've had this email off this dude. I've looked into him. He seems a bit weird. Um, if you get a phone call, he obviously wants to speak to us. If you get a phone call from an unknown number, just let it go to your answer phone and, like, you know, write it out and see. Don't just answer it. 
My dad said, it's funny you should say that, because we grew up in a village called Parson Drove, out in the middle of the fens. And he was like, my mate's been in the post office today, and the lady there said, there's been two blokes come in, saying they're private investigators, demanding to know where the eel man lives. Saying, where's the eel man, where's the eel man? And it all got very heated, and she ended up trying to kick them out. They were there for a long time. She ended up phoning the police afterwards. So, as a result of that, Obviously, it's a bit like, what the hell is going on? This has just sort of come out of the blue. Next slide, please. Um, so, kind of, yeah, but no, mate, that, if that's cool. Um, so, I just wrote him a very polite email. Hello, Mr. Peed. Just writing to confirm that me and my dad aren't really interested in talking to you, because you see quite weird. I didn't know it was the same guy at the time. Um, but, yeah, we, we consider the matter closed. Yes, thanks. So, then I got another email. <laughs> You, you appear to be ignorant of the law. We can conclude that you and your father, he really does need to speak for himself, are involved in a cover-up and a state of denial and perverting the course justice. The easiest way for this to be resolved is for you and your father to meet with us as offered. He's not in trouble, at least at the moment, but if you don't, we'll make it public. Um, I wouldn't bother trying to go for alleged harassment against Mr. Schooling. Well, I didn't mention harassment, Brian, so, you know, <laughs> the lady doth protest too much, somewhat. Um, <laughs> We will provide you and your father with one final opportunity in which to comply with our request. This will not go away. You and your father will look very thing. Um, and generally, just like, well, you will be severely dealt with. Um, okay, cool. <laughs> Cheers for that, Brian. This was starting to get a bit, you know, a bit odder. Yes, please. Um, so I went down to P Vortex and read his blog in much detail. Um, one of his cases I found out he, he disrupted an entire court case because he felt he was entitled to um, the finest legal representation and they hadn't given him that. So um, because Imran Khan, the president of Pakistan, hadn't answered his emails, he disrupted a whole case. Um, <laughs> He had lots of stuff about the royals, and I'm all up for lizard royals and stuff like that. Like, but he had, like, it was something to do with like, um, just weird lo-fi stuff, like a guy at a garage fixed Prince Charles' car, and therefore he was involved in all this. Um, <laughs> most of it was about his persecution. That's why I've put Burn Witch Burn in there, because every case against him was false and um, you know, mishandled and stuff like that. So, for example, um, he, has, he, he had a little army of sort of disciples. So... Apparently, he was convicted of um, getting a hand job in a theatre in London at one point and being like lewd behaviour. But his mate went 20 years later and he asked everybody in the pub next door whether they remembered it and they didn't. So therefore, Brian was framed. Um, which, genuinely, that's on YouTube. You can go find that. He says all that within the first minute. This was one of my favourites when he tried to inject himself into a child abuse like, inquest or something um, where he disrupted the whole thing. Where it, This is from the Daily Mail, actually, for it's all its sins, but... In a long and rambling address, Mr. Peed cited Magna Carta, most of the lyrics of the Simon and Garfunkel song, Sound of Silence, the writer Franz Kafka, the Book of Proverbs, and Martin Luther King. So no wonder that disrupted things, right? Um, but obviously most of it was about Tony Martin. He's writing a big 800-page book, it said, about the, how Tony Martin is innocent. Um, and from what I could work out, which later became in things... Tony Martin was at school in the 50s, I think in Hunstanton. He once misbehaved. The teacher pulled down his trousers and spanked his backside, which I think was fairly common in the 50s. It wasn't there, but it sounds like that sort of thing. Somehow, this meant there was a giant sex ring across all of East Anglia involving judges and politicians and head teachers and all this, and it seemed to be traced back to that. Um, and that was why Tony Martin had been framed for murder, to cover that up. And somehow now, me and my dad were embroiled in this, even though I was just on the train on the way home. Um, so, yeah, sorry, I'll probably go another time, but we'll, we'll get through it. Yes, please. 
Um, so I had to tell my work, obviously, my manager, I'm a manager at work, sometimes you get weird requests for your report, my manager's just like, yeah, I'm not touching this with a barge pole, Chris, you're on this on your own. And then we got the detectives involved, and in a nice case, in a nice, just sweet little thing, it was her last case before retirement, so it was a bit Danny Glover, I'm a bit too old for this shit. Um, yes, please. Uh, then the emails carried on. You and your father really do want to make this unnecessarily difficult. We wonder what you have to hide. Given that the majority of people in this country support Mr. Martin to this day, you're playing a very dangerous game and possibly incurring the wrath of 60 million people. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine that. Um, you're working on the assumption that you will be protected by the police. Always a wrong assumption because they would kill their own mother. You've been given one last chance to do it. And the thing that was worrying, and I don't want to cast any aspersions on any sort of group here, but he was saying here, we'll also inform Brendan Fearon and the Barras family, the implication there that they're traveller families and will come and get you if you, um, if you do it. I don't know why they would come after me to protect the guy that's trying to clear the name of the guy who shot their son dead, but you never know, do you? It's a bit of a, bit of a strange one. So it was just getting a bit rarer, as you can see. Um, and then, and again, next one, please. Um, and the Pete alerts kept springing up all over the fence. So he was going into all these different post offices and local shops and stuff, just demanding to know where the eel man lived, where do these sons live. Luckily, my, we'd moved, my folks aren't on this map. They'd moved away, but there's Wisbeat. And he even went back to Parson Drove. He was, it seemed like he was like three or four years behind my family. Um, <laughs> We went back, he went back to the Parson Drove one and bust back in there again. That is actually where we had lived. Um, and in the end, her husband chased them out and was like literally chased them out of the shop and they jumped in their car and screeched off and he was banging on the roof of the car as it, as it sped off and stuff. Um, yep. Uh, but after a month or so, this kind of alternated and this all sort of alternated. After a month or so, Brian's door did get kicked in by the police at 5 a.m. in the morning and they stole, took all his computer equipment and things like that, you know, so he couldn't do it. So I thought, yes, please, um, that was that. You know, his sort of blogs died down and things like that. Um, and gradually, like, his, his communication stopped, so he must have, must have done it. Schooling, to be fair, Chris Schooling, had, he'd bailed quite early when the police got involved. He was like, obviously, this is too rare for me, Brian, I'm, I'm bailing on this. Whereas Brian was doubling down on it. Um, but, sorry, so I thought. And then Brian appeared again, and he's been doing a series of talks. Like, rambling long, three, three you know, talks. Where he, literally, he's just, the eel man, all oh, the eel man. And then he delves into my dad's police statements and things like that. Sorry, next slide. And my favourite quote from this video is, it sounds plausible and contains lots of facts. And it's like, don't know, Brian, maybe that's because it is plausible and factual. I'm not sure. Um, and then you watch a few more minutes. Yes, please. And he brings up the Yieldman Chronicles. And he's got that slide there, right? <laughs> And his whole thing is that um, that panel there says 1am. I just wrote 1am because I knew it was the middle of the night. Actually, it happened at 10.30pm. Um, so my bad, I made a typo in my comic book. So Sorry, next slide. Um, so there's Brian as the Da Vinci Code. He seems to think, he seems to think the Eel Man Chronicles is some mad, mad, like, you know, hiding in plain sight type stuff. But the thing is, above that panel, directly above that panel, is a talking eel uh, who's my character for the whole thing. It's like, I wouldn't use it necessarily, Brian, as hard evidence that we're part of this huge cover-up. Um, next one, please. Also, Tony Martin went on telly and said I did it and I'd do it again, so I don't know why you, <laughs> I don't know why you would write an 800-page book. 
<laughs> so yes, we sorry. So in summary, sorry, I've probably gone on. I wrote a comic about my dad. I was stalked and harassed by a paedophile called Pete and his sidekick Schoolin because they thought that me and my dad helped frame an innocent man from murder to cover up a high-level high child abuse ring. My typo means that I'm part of the cover-up and leaving clues in place. Like Tony Martin said it did it anyway. Probably a waste of time, Brian. Um, I will put this. I did mean to draw this. David challenged me. Not challenged me. Asked me to draw it, but I didn't get around to it. But sorry. Next slide and final slide. Eventually, there will be an Eel Man 2 um, and the, advent, the incredible adventures of Pede's bounty hunting services that contain <laughs> conspiracy, blackmail, harassment, and fiddling. Um, we can do this the easy way or the hard way. We'll be in there. Um, that's it. Thank you. Chris Walting! Sorry, David. True Stories Live is a story show and story finding project brought to you by LJ Hope Productions, Norwich Arts Centre and me, Molly Naylor. For more information about all of the work that we do, head to our website truestorieslive.co.uk.